Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and let's hear who we've got on this week's show. This is Jen Klein, head coach of the Big Ten tournament champion, Michigan Wolverines. Join me and the Big Ten Network's Dean Linky on this week's ECNL podcast as we talk about the importance of building a team that believes in each other, the values of playing competitive youth soccer, and my journey to Ann Arbor. You're going to like her journey, and if you watch Michigan women's soccer, you will like her team. Jen Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team, your Big Ten tournament champs, and a number two two seed in the NCAA tournament starting after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I am Dean Linky, and I am flying high after being in Piscataway on Sunday in front of a record crowd, over 5,100 people watching the number one seed Rutgers take on the number three seed Michigan and the Michigan Wolverines putting on an absolute clinic, making it the beautiful game on display on the Big Ten Network. Their head coach is Jen Klein now in her fourth year. They are Big Ten tournament champions the first time since 1999. And they are a number two seed in the 64 team tournament, which hopefully means three home games. Jen Klein, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dean. Look, we're fresh off of Sunday, right? I feel like I'm still there. And a true celebration of women's college soccer in Piscataway. The crowd was amazing. And Jen, your team was amazing. You cannot run away from that. Your team was fantastic. But soak it all in and tell me what it meant to be there and to win it and then to watch your team play the way they played. I mean, just an unbelievable experience, you know, coming to Michigan four years ago, you know, really recognizing that Michigan has has the foundations to, to be a team that can compete for, for championships specifically within the big 10 and, you know, trying to build towards, towards that. Um, I think we got really close in 2019, you know, fell short just, just a little bit in overtime to Penn state. And so to come back two years later, again, in Piscataway, but also against Rutgers in the final game was just unbelievable. And, and I think what makes it even better was our team's performance. You know, we played Rutgers earlier in the year and didn't play our, our best. And, and we knew that. And so to get an opportunity to play them again on that stage and perform the way that we did is just remarkable. And, and a lot of credit goes to our team and, and their ability to execute the game plan. Yeah, let's talk about your team because, you know, in goal, you have Hillary Beal, 
And then you have Martin and Shepard back there. Martin's one of the best I've ever seen. Jade Revere, one of the best 1v1 defenders I've ever seen. You've got a nice platoon going on the other side. Then in the middle of the field, you've got a freshman and a couple youngsters that platoon that are outstanding. But then Raleigh Loftman has taken it to a next level. Sarah Stratagakis, the 2019 Big Ten midfield of the year, starting to come into form. Hawkinson, Hernandez, Danny Wolf played out of this world. Sammy Woods, Blake. I mean, I probably maybe missed a couple of players, but I got most of them in there. All of them were spectacular, Jen. You don't always get all of them to do everything great in one big game like that. And I feel like that's what happened. Yeah, I, I'm so proud of them because, you know, I think they're just playing so consistent and and it doesn't matter who we bring onto the field. Like they're coming on, they're thriving in their their role and it just makes our consistency, the level of our of our team, the level of our play be high and great and you know, it, it just, you look at the players, like you use the season, it, it's a process. It, it, you got to go through certain experiences and thir- certain steps throughout the regular season to get yourself in a position that you're, you're playing your best and you're peaking at the right times, which is, you know, the end when you're, you're playing for a championship. One of the ways to peak is to get everybody to buy in. And I look at your team and I see starters on the bench that are coming in and buying in. I see in this game, Sarah Satagakis get pulled like in 22nd minute. You have a conversation with her and then she came back. I kind of want to talk a little bit about that moment as well, but as it relates to the buy-in, but start with that moment, why you pulled her out, what was your message to her and how did she react to it? Yeah, I thought her reaction was great. Um, we just felt she was just looked a little bit fatigued. And, and you know, you look back at her game uh, on Thursday night against Purdue. She just played lights out and it, she just didn't seem to have the same little spark as she did on Thursday. So it was like, hey, let's give her a rest. Let's kind of talk through like, hey, it, it's not that you're not playing well. We're just missing a little bit of something. So get a rest and know that you're going to be needed in the second half. And I thought she didn't come out in the second half. And I just thought her energy on both sides of the ball was exactly what our midfield needed. And I thought she responded so, so great to, hey, just get your mind right. Know what's needed for, for this to, to get executed properly. And I thought that she did a great job. Another tipping point, Jade Revere, who's played a lot of soccer, right? Played in the spring, won a gold medal for Canada. Clearly some wear and tear on her body. She had to come out. That changed the dynamic because the job she did on Riley Tiernan, one of the best players in the country, let alone the Big Ten, that had to be a little heartbeat moment for you, I think, for sure. Not that you didn't have confidence in the backup, because I know you did, but just walk us through that moment as you're like, oh boy, here we go. We we got to deal with Jade Revere again, kind of being hurt a little bit. Yeah, it, it's definitely, unfortunately, something we've had to, to deal with you know, since Jade's arrived, whether it's there's been a little bit of an injury or if we don't have her because of national team duties. But you expect that, especially having players gone for national team duties when you recruit those players. But um, yeah, it was a little bit of a moment like, oh, OK, how are we going to respond? You know, Tiernan is a very good player. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, Jade was matched up very well against her. But, you know, that's we talk about our to our team all the time. It's about accepting your role, thriving in your role and preparing for the next role. And for Sarah Bridenstine, you know, she's done the work. She's thrived in her role. But I thought she's done the work to prepare to step in and, and have to take on the responsibilities that that was needed. And I thought she did a great job. 
Of course, everybody knows as I cover Michigan games, I talk about the fact you won a national championship with Kadani McAlpine, and we'll talk more about that in the second segment. But you wanted to be a head coach again. The Ann Arbor job opened up. When you arrived, what did you see and what did you think you needed to get to this point where you are now? And I'm going to remind you, Jen Klein, you're a number two seed in the NCAA tournament and a Big Ten tournament champion. Yeah, I think, you know, coming in, uh, what I saw was, there was a lot of really good players like this. This team had players and you look like Aaliyah Martin, Hillary Beal. They were freshmen when I came in that spring. And then the, you know, they were sophomores then the next year. And then your, your, your true freshman was Raleigh Lofman, Meredith Hawkinson. Like there were players in the team. And what we rec- realized once we got in, it was just, we needed to redefine and reestablish our culture and what we wanted that to look like um, and really allow for the team to have direct input of what that was going to be. And then I also think just a a little bit of, of an adjustment to the style of play and to, you know, be a team that had a distinct style that when someone said, you know, Michigan women's soccer, you can think like, Oh yeah, that they're a team that definitely can possess the ball. They like to get forward and score, but they're good defensively. And so, you know, that, that process takes time. And and did we in the first year give up some goals in transition because we were getting numbers forward and you're not used to it? Absolutely. But you have to go through those, those moments of, of growth to get where you're what where we're at today. And I think you're seeing kind of the, the journey and evolution of, of the program to get here. So that leads me to my next question because during the game, and of course the crowd was electric, so I was in heaven and I don't know if as a coach, if you can feel that as well, because you're so focused on the game, I got to believe that you could feel it. But there were times on the air where I was saying beautiful day for the beautiful game and Michigan's playing beautiful soccer. At the end of the day, I feel like beautiful soccer is really what you're aiming for, Jen. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it definitely is something we we want to play a style where you know, we control and dictate by having the ball. And, you know, so we want to be able to possess and and to build. And we also want to, within our possession, make sure that we're creating goal scoring opportunities. We don't want to possess just for the sake of possessing because we know you win the game by scoring goals. And so we want to make sure that we have a kind of a purpose within our possession, but also knowing and something that I learned a lot with my time, you know, at USC and, and Kidani is that, really defense wins championships and you have to be a good defensive team and a solid defensive team to really give yourself a chance um, at that. And so that's trying to find the good balance between the two. And then for me to play such a beautiful game on a beautiful day in front of what is a record crowd, I've called pro games there, by the way, back in the WPS days at your sack field where it was crickets. That's the all time biggest crowd ever to watch a game there at your sack field. Can you put in perspective what that means for the game and for women's college soccer and the big 10 and all of it? Yeah, I think it's unbelievable. And, and you know what? I think what helps is that you you had records that was in the, the the championship and and the crowd that that you know was there and you know there was also a ton of of Michigan fans the the number of of fans that came in for the game you could hear the banter going back and forth where you'd start to hear a little cheer for one side then the other side would kick in but you know I think what I'm most excited about was the platform 
that the game provided with the fans that were there and then us being on the Big Ten Network of the quality of the Big Ten. Um, you had two, I mean, obviously two teams that are now very highly seated with Rutgers being number one, us being number two. And I think it's a great representation, not only of the collegiate game, but also our, our conference uh, specifically. And just, you know, I think the Big Ten was very good this year. There was no easy game. You know, I think it also speaks that we we were able to get six teams uh, into the NCAA tournament, which is which is great for for our league. But yeah, it just uh, I think it was a great, highly competitive, high intensity, high energy game that I think you know really really showcased uh, a quality level that collegiate soccer can it brings. Over the moon to be with Jen Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team. We're going to take break number one on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We'll be back with Jen Klein from Michigan after this message. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're joined by Michigan women's soccer coach, Jen Klein. And Jen, I want everybody to know you. This podcast is now going on a year old and it is growing, it is booming. It's booming because the ECNL, particularly what they've done on the women's side, has been really amazing. So let's walk through, let's get to know Jen Klein a little bit better, Jen. And this is where I kind of like to just turn the microphone over to you. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up, where you played, where you coached and what you've done. And, and please, I know you don't like to brag about yourself, but let us get to know you a little bit if we can. Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in in Prescott, Arizona, which is a, a town just about an hour and a half north of Phoenix. Played AYSO up until about uh, 13 years old and then decided that this is, you know, soccer is what I wanted to do. Wanted to get a bit more competitive in it. Decided to, to drive down to Phoenix to join a club team down in Phoenix. So played, you know, club there. Definitely club looked completely different um, when I was playing to what it is now. Just the the, the platform, the landscape of, of what it is is just so it's grown so much. But, you know, got an opportunity to, to play at the University of Arizona. You know, originally thought I was going to go as far away from home as possible, but went on my recruiting visit and realized, you know what, it's not so bad staying a little bit closer to home and was so happy with that decision, but had an unbelievable four years there, you know, was part of a team that, that changed Arizona. You know, it was a team that at the time when I was a freshman was last in the Pac-10. And by the time I left, we were, you know, had gotten a, a, a co-championship in my junior year and, and we made the sweet 16 in my in my senior year so just to be a part of that growth i think was unbelievable and then i got into coaching right out of college i stayed on at arizona as a volunteer assistant started coaching club really did any coaching that i could if someone asked it it didn't matter whether i was getting paid or not getting paid it was like i just wanted to do as much coaching as i could i started my coaching license while i was still in college so i 
you know, went through all the, at the time, the NSCAA coaching licenses. Once I finished school, I, I started up with the, the USSF and, and getting those licenses. So I just started really early and I uh, got an opportunity to be a coach in training with ODP, where I met Kat Mertz, who was at the time the, the head coach of UNLV. Um, and, you know, she joked with me like, oh, I'm looking for a goalkeeper coach. It's too bad you're not a goalkeeper. And it was like, oh yeah, too bad. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, she's like, you know what? It's just not working out finding a specific goalkeeper coach. And she's like, I was a goalkeeper, so I, I can take on that role. Would you be interested in, you know, joining our staff? And this was like a week before their preseason started. So got up there, did a quick interview, got the job and literally, you know, left and started. And, you know, that was my, my first uh, taste as, as a, a collegiate coach and Kat Merch, what an unbelievable mentor, someone to learn from three years after that, uh, she left to, to take a different job and um, got an opportunity to be the head coach at, at UNLV. And at the time I was the youngest division one head coach in the country. I think I turned 26, like two days after I got named the boss and you know, that experience was eye-opening because it wasn't just now about like the X's and O's. It was like, how do you manage a team? How do you manage people? How do you deal with all the other stuff that is so beyond just coaching? Got good experience in it, but also realized, you know what? Like, I feel as if I need to go somewhere else to really work on my craft. And uh, opportunity came up to go to Washington State with Kadani McAlpine, probably one of the best decisions, you know, I made as far as where it took me in my career, but went there with him, had two great years there. He got a chance to, to move down to Southern California. He asked me to go with him. I said, absolutely. Three years later, we, we were able to, to win a national championship in 2016, stayed on an additional year. And then after that, uh, got the opportunity to be here at Michigan. So really, really fortunate within my career and the places that I've been, the people I've worked with, different times, coach club, coach ODP, got opportunities with some of the youth national teams, which were unbelievable. So it really just was never saying no to, to a coaching gig and just kind of recognizing every little bit was going to kind of add to uh, add to the craft and add to who I am today as a coach. One of the things I love about your story, and I'm so glad you shared it, is you're right. You were the youngest coach at 26, and that's not easy. A lot of people at 26, they still can't pack their own lunch, you know what I mean? And then let alone manage all of these women. And then you got to work with Kadani. You got to see what it takes to win a national championship. And then you told me when the Michigan job opened up, you knew that you were more ready than at UNLV. Can you talk a little bit about how you knew you were more ready, Jen Klein? You know, going back and being assistant again, I looked at the job slightly different. Like I had gotten a chance to, to, to be in the head coaching chair and there is a difference. There's a difference being the one where the buck stops there. And so when I went back to being an assistant again, I just, approached it slightly different. I also got to work with Kidani, who was so good at his management style. And it was so collaborative. Like he really did a great job of creating an atmosphere where everyone felt included and felt like they were contributing. And that to me was one of the biggest takeaways um, from working with Kidani. And then you know, the growth that we had and what we did at Washington State in just two years, and then obviously going to, to USC and, and taking over a program and building it up and putting it in a position to, to win a national championship in just three seasons was unbelievable. So going through all of that and also learning to establish like, what's your process for how you do everything 
really is what gave me the confidence when the Michigan job opened up, like, okay, I now have this like blueprint of, you know, here's how I can get it, get it done. And, you know, you got to use what is unique about Michigan and find the ways to tweak it. But it, I, I, I had a good framework. It made it a lot easier and gave me the confidence. Part of that blueprint, because you were so successful as an assistant coach, means you know better than anybody how important it was to find the right coaching staff to get where you are now. Did I mention you're the Big Ten Tournament Champions, by the way? Oh, yeah. Number two seed. So talk about that process, because that's important, Jen. How did you build your coaching staff? Listen, I am not where I am today in this chair without my staff. They are so integral to what we do here. And so putting together my staff, my associate head coach, Katie Holtine, we actually met when we were in college. We played for a summer league, W League team together, Arizona Heat Wave. So that's where we met. And Katie still gets reminders on her phone of us 20 years ago, like with this team and going so we met then. Um, we obviously competed against each other in college. I played at the University of Arizona. She played at uh, Washington State. So we competed against each other. And then once we graduated, we always just kept in touch. You know, she kind of, we both went in different directions. I got right into coaching, you know, as a full-time job right away. She did more of a kind of went down a professional route, did some coaching on the side, and then, you know, decided she really wanted to do coaching. So got into that. So we just always stuck together and we're basically like, you know, mentors and colleagues for each other. And so when the opportunity came for me to put my staff together, it's like, I, I want the person that we've kind of grown up together in the coaching world because we knew each other. And I felt as if she was going to challenge me in the ways that you want to be challenged. Like, you know, you're, she's not going to just let it just like us just do the status quo. It's like, how can we evolve and be innovative in what we do? That was easy for me. And then Tiffany Hansen, you know, I did not know her all that that much prior to coming to Michigan. She obviously was with the, the previous staff and we got to know each other really, really quick as I kind of came in and she kind of helped onboard me here. And as we kind of worked together, I was like, you know what, this I think is going to be a good fit. And, you know, she had a lot of really great people that, you know, were advocates for her on her behalf and, you know, what she does with our goalkeepers, but what she does with our recruiting is great because I was a recruiting coordinator at USC and it was like, I knew I couldn't do both. And so needing to find somebody that was really going to take a hold of that was important. And I, I thought Tiffany fit in well. So, and now we also have our, our volunteer assistant, Mario Zwinga Gill, who's going to be with, you know, with you on the, the podcast for the 3030 program. And he joined us this year and he's been a great addition as well. So they all bring something different to the table. And they're all very confident in have their own expertise in a different areas that than me. And that's what I think makes it so great. Love hearing your journey. One more question before we take a break. And we'll talk about how the ECNL has played a role in building this powerhouse at Michigan. And that is, I got to make sure I believe you because you've told it to me one time. But I got to ask it again, knowing that you're from Prescott, Arizona, which, by the way, is where Yavapai is. The Michigan men had a great player from Yavapai, Justin Merrim. That was unbelievable. And they've got an incredible coach that's going into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. So that, that resonates with me. I think I've called you a California girl but you're more of a west coast girl starting in arizona and moving out of there but you've told me that you love the michigan seasons i've told you i don't totally believe you but i'm going to ask it to you again jen final question on this second segment yeah i do i will admit it i i like the seasons um 
the probably my least favorite is spring just because you know you when you're out west spring is basically summer but uh the fall here is probably the best season of all uh not just because we're competing but it's just so gorgeous here so no i'm enjoying all the seasons i just layer up when it gets cold I awesome. Jen Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team, your reigning Big Ten tournament champs and number two seed in the 64 team field. Our final segment, we'll talk about the ECNL and its incredible ability to, I think, create incredible parity in women's college soccer. It is phenomenal. Jen Klein, our guest today on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Final segment of this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are on time. We are timely with the Michigan head coach, Jen Klein, who just won the Big Ten tournament and got a number two seed. I got to believe it's the highest seed Michigan has ever received. I didn't even do any research on that. I'm just going to assume that that's a, that's a matter of fact, Jen Klein. And Jen, we went to break talking about uh, that we're going to come back and talk about youth soccer, particularly ECNL. This is ECNL Breaking the Line. Not every one of your players played in ECNL. You've got the Canadian Gold Cupper, obviously, and some other interesting players. But I got to believe the majority of your players are, in fact, ECNL alumni. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't say exactly how many, but uh, I would say quite a few of our players on on our roster have competed in the ECNL. It definitely is a league that that produces a, a, a lot of quality collegiate players and, and players that have gone beyond uh, college and are very, very successful. I like the fact that you have players from all over the world, really, even New Zealand and Canada and everywhere else. And I think Hillary Beal, even in California, was an ECNL player. I'm not positive about that. I love her. But, you know, the Michigan Hawks, right there are one of the ECNL powers. Can you just talk about how important it was to make sure you're keeping an eye on what's going on with the ECNL in your home state there? Now now your home state of Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Michigan Hawks is an unbelievable program. I think the state of Michigan has unbelievable clubs. It's just, a, I think it's kind of a little hotbed of, of players. I mean, even prior to coming to Michigan, when I was at USC, we were trying everything we could to get a kid out of Michigan to come to Southern California. So, you know, knew the value of it, knew the type of players that Michigan was producing. And so coming here, you know, four years ago, it was like, we got to close these borders up because we can't have these players going uh, elsewhere. And the players that we have that are from here that have competed for the Hawks, I mean, Sammy Woods has been unbelievable as a, a sophomore this year and Avery Kalita I mean she had a heck of a game uh, in against Rutgers really really standout performance and so their experiences as youth players prepared them for what they are and are going to experience here at Michigan so that leads me to the next question because one thing that I've been impressed doing this podcast with is 
we've talked to ECNL personnel that are in charge of, you know, initially health and safety as they are dealing with COVID. We've talked to people that are involved with coaching education. We've talked with people that are involved with ID camps, not only propping them up to the next college level, but also showing the way maybe to the U.S. national team. I feel like the structure and the kind of ears wide open, listening to the clubs, listening to the coaches, I feel like the ECNL has done a really good job with that. I know that you're not hanging out with ECNL clubs every day because you've got that recruiting period, but can you talk a little bit about what you've seen by going to the ECNL events and how they do have their ears open and their eyes open and they continue to try to make it better for these young women. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, they definitely want to make a league that helps and promotes their constituents and their constituents are, are their club, their member clubs. And, and also I think a bit of the college coaches, you know, they, they understand their platform and how do you best maximize that platform? And I think, you know, what they've done as far as education, having the events that they do, all of that, I think really provides a, a, a competitive atmosphere that that's helping to the promote the the growth of our youth game. And it's ultimately creating an environment that I think is helping those players beyond their youth careers. And whether it's, it's college and no matter what level of college that it is, if it's a national team, if it's a pro, I think that they're looking at, you know, what, what can we do within our league and, and within our clubs to help those players move to where they want to get to. And I get the sense, Jen, too, when you go to one of these ECNL events, they make it easy and it is first class. I mean, you have the access to the players and you know where you're going and everything's pretty professional. It's not helter skelter at all, right? They do an unbelievable job. And and I think every year what's great is that, um, and kind of goes back to your point of them being open to feedback is I feel, feel like every year they're just getting better. You know, they, they, they kind of look, it's like, okay, you know, this was good, but where can we make improvements? Like they, they don't just, just kind of do what they do and it worked. It's always like, how can we continue to raise the level um, and, and, and have improvement in, in everything that they're doing? One of the other things that I found fascinating about the podcast is we've had people like Grant Hill, a high-level NBA player, a Hall of Famer who's got a daughter that plays in the ECNL. We've had a big thinker like Doug Lamal, way above my IQ, that really kind of gets into the intricacies of you know what makes a, a great coach and how a coach needs to talk to players and, and those type of things. And I feel like because of all of that, it has helped the college game. I feel like in women's soccer, particularly, the parity's never been better. Can you talk about what it's meant to the women's college game overall? Yeah, I just think the league has 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 grown, and I think it's grown because soccer is so popular. And I think that they they recognize like you know how can we continue to to grow and get better? But and just look at the sixty four teams that are in, and maybe the next sixty four or whatever teams that didn't make it. And you could probably pick some and and make arguments as like, man, that's a good team. They didn't make it, and a lot of it is because the the quality of the player and the the disbursement of those great players across the teams throughout the country like it's no longer like they're only going to one school like it just they're going all over and there's so many good teams and there's so many good teams because there's so many good players and it's because there's just so many good youth players uh, finally just two more questions for you gentlemen we'll let you go as you get ready to make a deep run in the ncaa tournament i think you've got a good enough team to win the national championship i said it because i believe it and i hope you believe it too I, I really do but you know one of the things that i've liked about the ecnl events is they also talk about camaraderie we talked about it earlier as i kind of rattled off every player on your roster because i feel like i've been thinking about them since since sunday but you know camaraderie is important there talk about how important camaraderie 
family is at Michigan to build this powerhouse that you have right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one of our, our three values is is connection. Um, and, and that really goes to the relationships within within our program and within our team. And it's something that we work on you know, every day. Um, it's not something we just talk about like, hey, we want to be connected. Hey, we want to have good relationships. It's like, what do we have to do to do that? And, and a lot of it is it's a family, right? Like sometimes you're going to have days where you might not like everybody, but you respect them. You love them. You know that you need them to be successful. And so you have to work through all the dynamics of, of having a good, healthy relationship with your, your teammates, your, your coaches, with your support staff. It's something you have to spend time on and, and really you know, dedicate energy to, to make sure that it's healthy and it's good. And when times of adversity are there, you know that, Hey, we can get through this. We've done it. And here's how we're going to do it. Would you mind sharing your other two important values along with connection, Jen? Yeah. Character connection and communication are our three. And tell me about character and communication. What what do you mean by that? Yeah, so it, a really, you know, character for us is just making sure that we're bringing in good quality individuals that have a character that we feel really is going to add and continue to push our culture. And then, you know, the connection piece, I think connection and communication really go almost hand in hand because if you have good connection, you have good communication. If you are good communicators, your, your connection is going to be, be better and you know, for us, we want to have players that have this we mentality that, it, you know, the team is, it's the team, the team, the team, and, and everybody is a big member to it. So really making sure that we have players that have character that, that see the value in that. Final question for Jen Klein on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Jen Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team who just won the Big Ten women's soccer tournament for the first time since 1999. Soccer can be cruel. You got to have all the right mojo to win a 64-team tournament. Knowing, though, the talent you have, Jen Klein, what will it take for Michigan to bring home a national championship to Ann Arbor? I think right now it's just going to be consistent. I mean, I, I told uh, our team yesterday after selections, I, I said, don't overthink who we're matched up with, who we could play, all those things. I, I said, because if you play the way that you guys have been playing, I don't think there's a team in this in this field that you can't compete with and give yourself a chance. And so I think if we can stay consistent based off of the past three performances that we've had starting against Penn State, Purdue, and then Rutgers, I think we got a really good chance. And you got to have a little bit of, of luck on your side. So we'll see how it all plays out. My dad always told me good things happen to good people. You're good people, Jen Klein. Congratulations on all your success. Good luck in the NCAA tournament. Thanks for giving us some time on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you so much, Dean. I really do appreciate it. Michigan was really good on Sunday against Rutgers. And as Jen Klein just said, leading up to that game as well. Jen Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team, so pleased that she could join us on this week's Breaking the Line. The ECNL podcast, I want to thank Andrea Wheeler and Jacob Bourne, also Christian Labors, Jen Winnegal, Doug Bracken, Jason Cutney, and the entire crew at the ECNL, my producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke saying... We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production.
ECNL. More than a league.